Welcome to the Elevate Your Life podcast. I'm Eliana Palomino, a proud Greek American, former Miss Teen America, corporate sales leader turned entrepreneur, mother, and wife. And I believe that we are made for more. But without the right tools, mindset, or support system to help us grow, that potential never gets unleashed. And that, my friends, is a life unlived. This show is all about expanding your mindset, unlocking your potential, and learning from the best on how to elevate your life, business, and relationships. Set your intentions, and like we say in Greek, Bame, let's go. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Elevate Your Life podcast. I am so excited to bring to you today's guest, and we're talking all on the most important role that we have in our entire life, okay? And you're not going to be doing it alone. But before I get there, if you can hear the super high vibes in my voice today and in my energy, that's because I've started cycle syncing. And if you haven't already listened to the episode on cycle syncing with a hormone health coach, three-time hormone health coach, mind you, I highly encourage you to go listen to it since I've been educated and informed. I've been so much more tuned with my cycle, with my calendar, with the events that I have, when I record and my entire schedule so that I can make the most out of it and really optimize what I have going on in my life to when I'm going to have the most energy. So if you're in the know, I know you know, but if you're not in the know, go back and listen to that episode on cycle syncing. For today's guest, I have a super powerful guest to share with you today. The conversation we had was so amazing, so much value packed into it. Whether you are a mom, okay, and that is what the most important role is in our world. And um, although we're made to believe that a job external of our household is more important, the most important job we have is raising the next generation. Why? Because you are the way you are because of your parents. And whatever you've unlearned as a result of that is because you've taken the initiative to say, you know what, I'm not going to be at the mercy of my upbringing. I'm not going to be at the mercy of my traumas, of my reactions, which I do have the ability to control. So if you know the profound impact that your parents, your upbringing had on you, and you are a parent yourself or going to be one day, it is our job. I truly believe to take that personal responsibility and do the best job that we can. We're not going to be perfect. That's not the goal. But if you can learn to recognize where it is that you can make those adjustments, where you can break those cycles and use better habits, why not? So today's conversation is with Jessica. She is a certified parenting coach and the founder of Find My Zen Fam Movement. Jessica guides parents to apply current science-based research in human development and psychology to overcome daily parenting struggles like yelling and tantrums. We've all been there, okay? Which also combats the worldwide pandemic of low self-esteem, anxiety, depression, and substance abuse. Parents can expect to gain cooperation from their children without sacrificing connection. Jessica is a mom of three beautiful girls, her most profound teachers, and a wife to an amazing supportive husband. When Jessica is not leading a yoga class or supporting parents, she enjoys live music, dancing, volleyball, reading, and traveling. The conversation with Jessica and I begins right now, but before it does, I also want to just briefly share with you guys, if you love it, if you find value in it, please share it with another mom or mom-to-be that you think would find so much love and value in it as well, who may be struggling on her journey of parenthood, or maybe she's doing it alone. So with that, please keep those people in mind and share it with them. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I love you, what you do, the platform you offer. It's just incredible. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And likewise, I was really drawn to your mission and your message and the rippling effect you have in the community, but most importantly, where it started within your own family. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, Being a mom, as we all say, is the most rewarding job in the whole world. And it's also the hardest. And my family and I have certainly faced our struggles. And that wasn't um, because of lack of trying. I read every parenting book for over six years. I did all of the um, courses in a positive parenting app. And things were still really hard. Uh, My kids weren't listening. I was yelling at them all day long. Um, I was using traditional parenting methods like timeouts, revoking privileges. All right, no TV for today. You get your iPad taken. You can't play with your favorite toy. And none of it was working. And this had been going on for years. It was by the time my girls were ages three, five, and seven that I went, this is not working. Mm -hmm. And I was actually, you know, starting to give up. Um, I was asking friends and family, like, what do you do? Um, And everybody just replied, yeah, parenting's crazy. And so I thought, maybe I should just accept it and stop wishing it could be different. Mm. And that actually wasn't an option because things got worse. My youngest daughter appeared to be heading towards depression. She started to lose an interest in playing with her toys. Um, And so I took her to a therapist and the therapist suggested that I play music for her when she tantrum. And I love music, but I knew that that was not the solution. And so I did one last search for um, help and I came across parent coaching and I had no idea that parent coaching even existed. So right away, I was so excited. Like I'd heard of like life coaching, but never parent coaching. Mm -hmm. And I felt so validated right away. Like, oh my gosh, there's somebody who can help me and other people like me. And I want to clarify, like we were an average normal family. Like I mentioned, traditional parenting methods, yelling, privileges, timeouts. My husband was super active and caring. I was trying so hard every day. So I couldn't believe that this was happening to us. I thought that this happened to families where there was like really serious things going on. Um, Mm -hmm. And and now that I know what I know, um, yelling and, and those things are more serious than we realize. Um, But it wasn't just the parent coaching that excited me. It was the curriculum I was going to have to learn in order to um, go through this program and be coached. And it listed all kinds of topics that I had never heard of, like um, conscious communication, uh, emotional intelligence, brain science, nervous system science, attachment science. And I thought, what does this have to do with parenting? And I've been studying it for over six years And I just knew with all of my being, like, this is it. I'm finally going to get the answers. And sure enough, it brought peace within my home within 12 weeks. Wow. Wow. I guess, you know, the key message is that it's never too late to shift the narrative, no matter how old your kids are, how long in the parenting game you are, excuse me, or how new you are. You know, like me, I'm a newer mom. And I know for many of our listeners, they are newer parents. And, you know, some are OGs out there too. But that key message that I'm receiving is that it's never too late to shift the narrative. And unfortunately, I would have loved to learn these things from my parents or grandparents or school system or, you know, somewhere in the community. But I love that you stumbled upon it throughout your journey of wanting to find a better way because you knew there has to be a better way. Absolutely. Within my heart, I knew it wasn't meant to feel like this. I had this high vision, like we all do when we decide to become parents, of this deep connection with our children, of providing our children with this amazing life, all of this access to great activities and all the things that we wish we had as a kid. Even if we had an amazing childhood, you know, we always think like, oh, I can do it better as a parent. Um, and so we really, I don't think, put much other thought into parenting. I know at least personally, I didn't. When it came time to decide if I wanted to have kids, I just thought, well, if I do, I got to have like three or four because I'm one of three or four and I'm used to chaotic and loud. And me and my siblings are really close and I would want my kids to have that. And okay, let's do it. Right. And that was it. <laughs> It wasn't at all like, is this going to be hard? How are we going to handle it? How are we going to handle this in two careers? Um, Mm -hmm. 
uh, are we, what is our parenting style if they don't listen? And we just assume like none of that's going to be a problem because we just assume, oh, that was because our parents maybe didn't do it right. Um, but the truth is, as humans are super intricate, and this was my biggest takeaway after I did my parent coaching, and, and that's what they ask you at the end. What was your biggest takeaway? And I had all these aha moments, like just that kept pouring out of me. It was like, oh my God, children are widely misunderstood. And it's actually super dangerous because right away I correlated it with all of the issues we're having with self-esteem and anxiety and depression. It's actually originating in the parent-child dynamic, even in average normal homes, because parents don't understand the way that children are receiving these parenting tactics and strategies that we're using. It's not what the teacher teaches, it's what the student learns. And I really took me understanding my child's brain development to understand that when I sent them away to time out, it was actually making them feel ostracized and from the community, our little family community, making them feel like I was withdrawing my love and that my love was conditional. And no mm -hmm. parent's intention is that. We just don't want them to hit their sister again. We just don't mm -hmm. want them to throw their food or whatever it is. But we can now have this, thanks to new science, brain imaging, uh, you know, MRIs, um, all of our latest, greatest researchers in human development and psychology, we now know so much more than we used to. So we really can, um, the textbook's finally available, I guess is what I'll say, right? That's what parenting say all the time. Well, there's no textbook for this stuff. And there really wasn't. Um, but today that there is, and, yeah. and I really, it's turned into this mission movement for me where I want to standardize that all parents, when they decide to become parents, they go, oh yeah, so now I need to go through that training because I am taking on a new job, a new role. Just like whenever we start any other new job, we receive training, right? We go, if we want to become a driver, we go through training and school. If I want to be in marketing and get my MBA, like I go through training mm -hmm. in school. Well, parenting, I look at it as not only the most rewarding, but it's the hardest job in the world that we get no training for. I, I know yeah. those ideas are available that we need. It is 100% the most important job in the entire world. And I didn't really fully understand that until I became a mom. Like much of what your parents tell you, well, wait till you become a parent. Then that's when you will know. And what I learned when I became a parent was this is the most important job, role, responsibility in the entire world because how much of what I've been able to um, understand from even my own upbringing and what I've had to unpack and unlearn was because my own family didn't take the time to learn and understand my needs and how they were not being met. And so now I recognize the impact that that had on me and that's going to have on now my child if I don't do my own work and then the work that he's going to have to do when he grows up and the relationships he's going to have and the woman he will one day marry and the father he will one day become. I mean, it it is the most important work that we will ever do because it is truly the one thing that will have an impact on the generations to come. And it is your legacy that you leave behind. What did you leave them with? How did you leave them? Did you leave them whole to the best of your ability? You know, cause no mother or parent or father is going to be perfect. But if you can make your child understand that I'm here for you and I love you and I care for you, it's going from like what you say, going from crazy to connected. Right. And, um, I'll never forget you know, like many of my family members, they didn't know. They just didn't want to be bothered. They didn't want to have to deal with the tantrum or the emotional upset. And they would send me to my room. When you're done crying, then you can come back out. But I don't want to hear you cry. Go to your room, figure it out. When you're done, come back. And over time, I developed this sense of they don't care. Mm. I'm not cared for. Mm. They don't love me. They don't care about my feelings. And so that's, that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole jar, um, worth of unpacking. And so now I recognize with my son, when he's acting up, I ask myself, what needs of his am I not meeting? Is it quality time? 
And even he's only a year and a half old. And I'm asking myself these things because I knew the impact it had on me is he, he's not looking for gifts or toys at this point in his life. He just wants the time and the connection, right? And to know that I'm being paid attention to you care. Oh my gosh. You just hit on so many amazing, important topics and the essence of it all. And you know, I don't know about every other parent coaching program out there, but what I do know is if you're not starting in attachment science, then you're not getting to the root of why you are the way that you are and why we parent the way that we parent. And so often we have to go backwards before we can move forward. And so you touch on so many important things. And one is the human need for connection. That is why we are born into this world is because we want connection and we deserve connection. And that is really the only way to true happiness is a true safe connection with ourselves and with other people. And like you said, it stems from that caregiver, whoever that person is, um, usually the mother and the father, but also other pertinent family members, or um, they don't have to be family, um, just anyone who's around a lot. If that connection is not strong and does not feel safe, um, and the child does not feel seen and heard, then that child is going to grow up afraid of connection, not knowing what real connection is. And just as you said, that will reflect in their confidence with themselves. It will reflect in all the partners that they choose throughout life, friendships or romantic, um, and they're on and will set them up to um, find others who treat them the way that they've learned they deserve to be treated. And so you're so right when we dismiss emotions instead of just letting them be a part of the human experience and helping our little ones through them. Our children take on limiting beliefs like, I'm not worth it. I'm a burden. I'm bad. And of course, this is not what the parent means. The problem is, is that they were also parented in this way. Our world has a long history of dismissing emotions, guilting them, shaming them. But the truth is, emotions play a really important role in our lives, and it's to tell us that we have a need or a want that is not being met, or we have a value that is being crossed. And building emotional intelligence is a multi-step process um, and takes practice. But when we do it, it's so worth it because we can be assured that our kids are going to know how to handle big emotions when they come their way especially when they're in high school and college and somebody wants them to go drink this or smoke this or whatever it may be, they're going to be used to saying no, like having a no voice, like that's okay. I know so much in toddlers, don't you tell me no, right? And you mm -hmm. want to cry about that, you can go to your room and boys don't cry. You're angry mm -hmm. about that, that's ridiculous, right? There's so many things we fill our kids' heads with day after day, year after year, even decade after decade. Mm -hmm. And it creates this disconnect and this feeling where I'm just human. This emotion is coming at me, whether I want it to or not, but I'm bad for having it. Mm -hmm. It's not right that I'm having it. And this creates total confusion in our human race. And it's why we have all of the problems that we have it comes down mm -hmm. to emotional intelligence and understanding our humanness. So when you work with parents because obviously when you tell your kid no and there's resistance because it's not settling with their child's body there's something in their system is saying this is not right for me and and friction arises in in the dynamic right and then that arise that inflames i'll say the parent because now they're being uh, met with disobedience and then discipline comes into play. How do you work with parents that are meeting themselves at this threshold or their patience is now running thin? They don't know how to communicate because now they're reacting to what their child is saying on the surface, but not really getting into the, the depths and the roots and seeing them for the need that's not being met. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we get triggered a lot because we as parents think, my children um, are good if they listen to me, 
and if they do the behaviors I want them to do, then they're good. And everybody's watching to see how good my kids listen to me and they're judging me as a parent based on that. And we need to shift that. We need to stop caring so much about what it looks like from the outside. And we need to learn the science. Um, the brain science is so important. Our child's prefrontal cortex is not forming until the age of seven and isn't done until the age of 25. The prefrontal cortex is responsible for so many of the things that we think our children should be able to do from birth till age of seven that they can't do. And it's not because they're bad, it's because of their brain capability. So the prefrontal cortex is responsible for things like co-regulation or emotional regulation. So that's why our children need us to help them through those emotions, especially in those first seven years, but probably a bit after that too. And we can actually calm ourselves and then they can feel that energy through mirror neurons and then they can calm themselves quicker. So they really need us to help co-regulate with them. This is also where they have their ability for empathy. So forcing our kids to say sorry, they don't even know what that means. And so they could wind up being somebody who hates apologizing and resentful of it because they were always forced to and they didn't even understand what it meant. Instead, we can model, oh, you, you hit your sister. Let's go make sure she's okay. All right, and hands aren't for hitting. Let's be gentle. And we just mm. model, right? We don't have to go, now you, and we can of course say, would you like to say sorry? Let her know you didn't, or how about, I didn't mean to hurt you. Maybe something along those lines, instead of these words that they're like, okay, I'll do it because my mom's being big and scary, but I don't actually know what it means. Prefrontal cortex. When I tell my kids to come in, when they come in the house and I say, put your shoes in the bin, put your lunchbox on the counter, put your book bag on the hook. And I come over and there's a pile of things on the floor instead of everybody doing what they're supposed to do every single day. Well, the ability to follow multiple sequence instructions also is prefrontal cortex. So they're not going to get it right every time. Instead, I might need to do something like come over, make eye contact instead of yelling from the, across the room what I need them to do, and then stand there and guide them through it and remind them gently. So I think we have this idea that the repetition is not supposed to be there in parenting, and that means our kids are bad. And of course it does exhaust us, but the truth is the repetition is there, whether we are doing it wrong or doing it right, our children need reminders. Um, prefrontal cortex, the ability to focus. So our kids aren't going to be able to focus and do all this. They have a completely different brain than ours that is beautifully wired for play and other and curiosity and fun. And they're not wired in the same way that we are yet. So it takes, practice and repetition. And so I'd say when parents meet that threshold and they kind of see this new scary parenting version of themselves coming out, they really need to take the time to learn the science, find the correct resources. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of outdated resources out there. They're rooted in behaviorism, which says rewards and punishments. If our mm -hmm. kid is doing it right, a behavior we like, give them a sticker, give them a snack. If they're uh, doing something we don't like, inflict pain or discomfort on them mm -hmm. for some reason. Make them go away. Make them take time out. Um, so science and then also understanding our own triggers, understanding what was modeled for us. So once we apply science, if we're still stuck in a pattern, then we need to go back and do some mindset shifts. Yeah. Oh, my God. So much comes up for me. <clears throat> Initially, um, it starts to form this idea that I only receive love when I do this. And I don't receive love when I do that. Therefore, love is conditional. Mm -hmm. And it whether, like you said, whether you realize <clears throat> you have this pattern of how you're showing up through repetition, whether they're receiving it lovingly or it's coming across a different way, it's still being absorbed. And their receptors are receiving, you know, like my son's learning new words every day now. He's learning new gestures and, and that's conditioning him. Well, the subconscious, I mean, 80% of our communication is nonverbal. So what is he actually absorbing through the thousand times I have to tell him something not to go there, not to do this or whatever the case is and ensuring that it's with empathy because I think a lot of parents mistake children they have this expectation that they're just like adults. They should understand the first time when I say something. You have this expectation of them of what you are holding for yourself. Mm 
or with an older child, you know, that they're still developing, like you said, until the age of 25. I think a lot of people give passes on kids who are 18, 19, 20. Oh, they should know by now. They're grown. No, they still don't. They're still absorbing. They're still learning. Hey, hey, you guys, popping in here real quick for you all. As some of you may know, I was in corporate finance and still like to maintain the inside scoop on things. So naturally, when I found out there was a tax credit for the time lost in business during COVID, specifically for entrepreneurs and 1099 contractors, I had to make it known on the show for you guys. If you were a 1099 contractor or had your own LLC as a solopreneur or had a small team, claimed $15,000 or more during 2020 or 2021 or both, you could be eligible for up to $32,000 back. If you have children and claim them as your dependents, you could actually qualify for more. When I first heard about this, I was shocked that it was not being shared more publicly, so I had to bring it to you guys. The application process is super easy and takes about 10 minutes to do. Then after you upload your documents, a specialist will reach out to confirm if anything is missing and the amount you qualify for. This applies to real estate agents, folks in network marketing, hairdressers, nail artists, contractors, solopreneurs, freelancers. If that's you, click the link in the show notes to apply and find out how much you can qualify for today. If that's not you, but you still want to spread the message with those you think could qualify, click the link to become an affiliate and share your link with your community today. Now, back to the show. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, And I use this analogy a lot. Like if my good friend was at my house and she didn't put her shoes in the bin, would I yell at her even if I told her to put them there? If she spilled something, would I say, be more careful, clean it up? Of course not. And adults can spill stuff. Yeah, maybe kids a little bit more, but again, that's because of their beautiful, creative, wild brain that is always dreaming of the next big adventure. And and that's what they're supposed to be doing. And we think, oh, they started to walk and talk and now they should be able to do all the things. And the more that I tell them, tell them, tell them, they're going to be able to. No, a lot of it's a waiting game um, coming beside them instead of over top of them and modeling. And I get it. It's tiresome. We want these little people to dress themselves and clean up after themselves. And, you know, we, our minds spin off with these beliefs that they're going to be slobs when they get older and they're going to be irresponsible. And they're really not. As long as we're modeling how we'd like them to do it when they don't have the capability to do it on their own for the various reasons because of science, exhaustion, hunger, um, they just don't want to at that time, right? Mm -hmm. We do that as adults. We give ourselves breaks sometimes. And if you don't, hopefully you learn to start doing that where I'll go, yeah, the dishes need to be done, but I need to go sit down for a bit. And our little ones also, whether you're going to school all day or you're just at home playing, you're still up the same amount of hours that you're doing, doing, doing. And I think mm-hmm. that a lot of adults be like, think that, well, I worked all day. My kid just got to play all day. They should have plenty of energy, you know, time for them to work now. Um, and I just don't, I think that it requires the same amount of energy to go into work, to play, just to be awake and to be active. And I just want to circle back to the no stage, right? Because that's big for toddlers. And I know that's where a lot of your audience is at now or where they will be soon. And so, um, really allowing our kids to tell us, no, it's not bad when they do. They're just using the best tools that they have at that stage of development and, helping them get their needs met if it's possible. And if it's not possible, that's okay. You deserve your own boundaries as well for your own well-being. And understanding who likes to be told no. I want to do what I want when I want to do it, whether I'm a kid or an adult. And so again, how can we make this accessible to them or can we come to some type of compromise? Um, I used to believe that this is not a negotiation. You do as I say right? Like that's previous generational beliefs that are still well alive today and ones that I use with my children. But negotiation is actually a brilliant tool that we do need as adults in business and in learning how to compromise with our partners and our friends and all types of things in life. And when we're not allowed to do it when we're little, we take on that belief that I don't matter. My needs Mm -hmm. don't matter. 
I'm not important. I'm not as important because they're bigger than me. Um, so allowing our kids to say no. Um, and also when we need to tell them no, try redirecting, let's do this instead, or maybe give them a choice. Would you like to choose this or this? It just feels better to everybody. Um, <laughs> no is, um, I think brings up the pushback for everybody and anyone. So it's going to be used sometimes, but figuring out other ways around it is my suggestion. Yeah, I l absolutely love that. It just, like you said, redirecting. If one door closes, another one opens and, and show them where that other door is, right? So they can redirect their attention, their energy and feel open again and not shut down and closed off. Um, I'd love for you to share because obviously you've practiced this in your own home and it, it took a little while for the adjustment to take place. And I'm so curious, what cycles have you seen that have been restored within your own home? And then, of course, now that you share this information with other parents and really guide them along this journey, how have you seen those cycles restored in their homes as well? Yes, absolutely. So many different things. Um when I started it with my own family, it's tricky. And we talk about it early on in the program, like what are other people gonna think? Cause this is not mainstream parenting right now. And if I'm not yelling at my kid when they do something wrong, people automatically think, look at her letting them get away with that. She's just letting them walk all over her. That's ridiculous. No wonder they're like that. They're gonna grow up to be a brat, right? So many things that people will think. And so we talk about the fears of this type of parenting and it's a fear of being judged and the fear and also fear like, am I coddling them? And, you know, so with this type of parenting, it's like, here's the science and here are the, how we can um, interweave it into your home with what you're facing right now, the tactics you can use and try it, see how it feels. And right away, it feels so much better. You get to mm. go to sleep without that mom guilt because you stood on firm silence or a uh, process. You had a firm cross science and process, but then you can um, just feel so confident that you're doing the work, you're showing up differently and you can see in their face how these strategies are being received. I wanna give you an example of the first time I practiced emotional intelligence with my youngest daughter. So when she would hit, her sisters go to your room you can't do that come out when you're ready to be nice and we'd send her away and this time when she was i think six at this time i got down on her level and i said oh i can see you're having a big emotion i've got you and i pick her up gently whereas before i would have angrily picked her up and stormed off if i had to and she's yelling put me down let me go and i put her down in her room and she says get out of my room and i said i'll go but also, if you'll allow me to stay, I don't want you to have to go through this alone. I can see you're really upset. And her eyes bugged out of her head like I was an <laughs> alien. Like, what just happened to my mom? Like, who are you? But as she could see, I was attuning to the pain that she was in and my face matched hers. She knew I was serious and she nodded her head that I could stay. So I sat down on the floor and... This still triggers me right at this moment because I knew it practicing it. I'm used to my body and everything in me is used to yelling. So I just sit there and I work on my own calm, my own breath. I'm very visibly, audibly, not scared to let her see me need to calm down. And as I did that, she also automatically started to calm down. And I said, whoa, that was big. What was it? Can you name that feeling? We name it to tame it. She goes, I said, were you angry? And she goes, yeah. I said, what else? She goes, sad. And I go, okay, you want to tell me what's going on? So we problem solve, right? Emotions are just telling us we have something that we need or want or value that's being crossed. And she goes, my sister's been taking my stuffed animal all week and I'm tired of telling her about it and I want her to stop. And I said, oh, I totally can understand because if you did that to me, you kept coming in my room and taking something that I didn't want you to take all week, I would... I would yell at you. I would be angry. So I get it. I validated her feelings. So this tidal wave of emotion that is literally shaking her body inside her little nervous systems, freaking out in fight or flight. She's not feeling guilty about it. She's understanding that she makes sense and that she doesn't have to go through it alone. And I said, well, it doesn't look like hitting worked and it doesn't look like yelling 
um, you don't look like you feel very good. Is that right? And she goes, no. And I said, so what else can we do? How else can you get this need met? And I empowered her to come up with solutions. Now for toddlers or children new to this, even at the age of six, they're going to be like, I don't know, right? Because they're not used to it. And so then can I help you come up with some ideas? And she said, yes. And then fast forward a couple years later, my eight-year-old, my second grader can come up to me after school when she's angry and yelling at me. And I go, I can tell you need a minute. I'm going to check back in just a moment. And she comes up to me and goes, mom, I'm sorry. I was just overstimulated. My second grader over, like, I didn't learn that word until five years ago. I always say. Wow. That is freaking incredible. Mm -hmm. Like so present, so loving, Hmm. really dropping in. And clearly I can see just from those stories alone, how your children are now learning to become more in tune with themselves. And just by what you modeled for them, they're going to now know that there's a, a different way to express themselves than, than resulting to yelling or hitting or just by you modeling to them, let's work through this. Let's unravel this. That is so beautiful. I really felt her eyes saying to me, like, you're finally showing up for me. I'm not alone. I'm not bad. So you start to see those shifts take place through the training. Um, Mm -hmm. And it does take practice. It does take repetition. And, you know, so through my coaching, we learn the science and then we use the situations that are happening that week. And I help to kind of interweave it and apply it. And that's where integration takes place. And so what I realized was this was the big difference between reading the books or doing a recorded apps was there was no integration. Some of, I actually did read a couple conscious parenting books along the way in that mix of information that I received through my self-studies. And it made sense, but it still wasn't creating change in my home. Right. So really... um, having somebody who's been practiced at it, walk through it because your body and brain wants to resist it in so many different ways because it's scary and new and different. Um, So that's one of the big differences about making the shifts happen. Exactly. You are the one that is holding the fort down. Like there's no one side by side with you helping you to co-regulate so that you can then go help your child. You are the one that is bringing this in and holding that fort down. So my next question to you is what happens? um, I should say, you know, there's many different ways to unravel this particular dynamic where only one parent is the one that is implementing this strategy and way of parenting. And the other is essentially undoing it because they operate and parent differently. You know, have you seen that in the couples that you've worked with and how do you coach them through that? What advice would you give? Yes, absolutely. So it is mostly mamas who show up for this training. I do offer it to individuals, couples, and I even do group coaching as well. I have had some dads in it, but that is not the majority of my clients. And it does get a bit tricky. And actually, that's how I went through the training too. I went through it and then I tried to um, guide my husband through it along the way. So it's still super effective and it's still super important if you want your child to grow up feeling that connection is safe. So even if you're doing it alone, find the confidence and the support groups to stand by it and to really get it down um, well and really be able to explain it well and keep referring to the science. And um, I know for my personal life and when I coach other Uh, moms, I say, hey, put the science in in front of your partner. You know, I know one thing, especially about looking back at how we were parented, that's really painful for a lot of people. And they don't want to blame their parents, right? Like I know me and my mom are super close. I think she's a rock star. She raised four kids on her own. And at the same time, now that I know more about humans and what we need, and especially what we need as children, it's, it can be uh, happen at the same time where I didn't get exactly what I needed, even though she was crushing it in so many other areas. I love how you said that, 
you know, show him the science, right? Because men typically have more of an analytical, logical brain. It needs to make sense. Like, show me where this makes sense. <laughs> and, you know, as women really feel into that heart center um, in like, this feels so good. Like, this feels right. Because as women, we don't want to feel disconnected either. But of course, we have our tickers rising and our blood pressure and the steam coming out of our ears. And so we also react. However, it doesn't feel good. And so I love that you said, show them the science and lead the way with confidence. Find the support group. You know, other mothers that are also, you know, see the value in in showing up in your families in this way. And I think um, men sometimes need to be shown. And once they see that it works, then they too follow along. I don't know if, if you're seeing that, but that's just something intuitively that I, I think. So that's exactly it. So when I was bringing up the example of not a lot of us like to go back and even in my own home, like discussing that with my husband, like we grew up fine, we're successful, we're happy, we don't have any big issues here. But Dr. Tina Payne Bryson and Daniel Siegel say that um, looking back is critical. You're not victimizing yourself. You're not blaming or shaming anybody, but it's kind of like a dog bite. Like your past has, is like a dog bite. And if you don't go back and face it and kind of create a coherent narrative about how that programming is showing up in your life today, then the teeth are just going to sink in deeper and you're going to try to go forward and make changes, but those changes aren't going to take place. Whereas if you go back and look at it, it's like shoving your fist down the dog's throat and the dog will release its bite and you find so much freedom in moving forward. So I would explain examples like that. I pull out specific examples um, because those partner conflicts do come to our sessions together. And a lot of people say that this is kind of like couples therapy because it is all of these tools are critical for any relationship. And mm -hmm. people often leave finding that their communication with their partners do get better. So mm -hmm. men, very science oriented, the emotions freak them out even more than the women, right? Because think about emotions and men. I mean, they have it even harder than us women do. It, it um, goes back to that saying of, you know, men don't cry. So you have men now that are comfortable with their emotions or expressing their emotions. So then it shows up as a total disconnect from them. I mean, the whole thing comes together and in, in, in with all these different puzzle pieces. Yeah, they just want to steamroll over the emotions, steamroll over the body, but the truth is, the more that we learn to like listen to our body, it's signaling to us all the time. We can actually use our brain a lot less than we need to because our nervous system is actually um, telling us where the path is for us, what feels good, what feels safe, and what feels right. So it is slower when one parent is parenting in this um, paradigm. And however, it's still critical to well-being and to releasing that mom guilt, right? Like having just this concrete science and process to stand on, mm -hmm. you can go to bed peacefully knowing you did it right. And then like you said, modeling and your partner seeing the effects of it over time. And um, I've just watched my husband and I, my clients have reported back that their partners do start to soften over time. Mm -hmm. And it creates a lot of discussion but there's a whole section on conscious communication. And I use that section more on my husband when I finished with my parenting coach than I did my kids at first. And it's really a beautiful process that really almost makes it impossible for there to be an argument because we're not commanding or demanding anybody does it our way. We are asking permission to have a serious conversation. We get to state what our intention is, what our concern is. We get to ask them, what are your feelings around it? I imagine it's causing you stress as well. And then I get to ask, are you willing to try it like this? Should we try it like this for a month and see if we notice something different? Um, and they have the right to say no. And then maybe they can come up with something they are willing to do. And it's just a really beautiful way of talking that leaves out the judgment, leaves out accusations. Well, blanket statements were a big problem in our family. Like you always do this. And, and so we just get to be really clear on the words that we're using, the quantity of the words that we're using, the quality of them, and really just deepening our relationships all together. Mm, I absolutely love that approach. It reminds me of the example you gave how would you approach a friend that 
you know, left something on the floor in your house? Would you approach them with yelling or being judgmental or critical? No, you would say, hey, can you, you know, just pick that up or hey, let's, you know, I love how you just identify the framework of sitting down with your spouse and having that conversation. I've actually, I'll just share, noticed the world of a difference when I started recognizing this new version of me that I started being met with when my patience was running thin or my threshold was being met. And I saw different family members coming out of me that I never wanted to see again. And... (laughs) truthfully. And, um, you know, I've seen it in my husband as well. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. Um, it just innocently comes out of us. And so, you know, when I started modeling something different, because I told myself, I want to do this different. He saw the value in how I was able to walk out of that room calmly. I wasn't stressed. I was, you know, regulated and our, our son was good. And he also observed that with with when he was met with his threshold and how he's been able to remain calm and more patient longer than that patient running thin more quickly. So um, as we wrap up here, I'd love for you to share what has been one of the hardest, but of course, most rewarding breakthroughs, like a habit that you've seen is super hard to break through but it's also, of course, the most rewarding on the other side within the families that you coach. Yes, absolutely. Um, This fosters real connection. And most of us don't know what real connection is because we didn't receive that when we were little. And I remember this feeling in my body growing up. And I'm telling you, my mom was a rock star. Me and my siblings so close. I was surrounded with amazing friends growing up. But I always had this sensation in my heart that something was missing, like that there was more to life. And, um, and even this feeling that my life hadn't begun yet. And I didn't want to like replace everybody in my life, nothing like that. So I didn't really understand it for most of my life, except when it came to be parent, a parent, I knew my children would not have this. And then when it dawned on me that that was happening, like this disconnect between me and them, it just broke my heart even more, of course. And so over this time, I've got to understand what um, real connection really is. I get to help my clients understand that. They don't, a lot of the world doesn't know like what it's like to be without judgment on you from family, friends, even, you know, from strangers, it's a little more common, but, or that you accept it, but you think from family and friends, it's just normal, but we don't need that. And it's, it's not allowing us to live in our true authenticity when people are constantly judging what we do and how we do it, whether it's right or wrong or enough. Um, and really it's what allows people to follow their true path. When we don't have these limiting beliefs that we're not worth it, we're not worth connection, we're bad, um, the plethora of things, we get off our true life's path. Um, and it becomes cloudy because we're so used to everybody telling us what we are and what we aren't and how we should do it. And so I would say that that is the most profound, um, part of this real connection, awesome authenticity, truth, and, um, true belonging to communities that, that don't judge you. Mm. So beautifully said. Um, Jessica, share with us, what does elevating your life mean to you? Mm. Means consciousness. So we are 95% unconscious as we walk through this life. And that's because the first seven years of our life are basically running our program for how we run our life. So we're only 5% conscious. And it feels so good when we peel back those layers and become a little bit more conscious because then we're steering our life. We're steering the boat, the ship, whatever. Um, And we're deciding. We're not just letting life happen to us, but we are choosing. And when we're doing that, we're living out our dreams. We believe in ourselves. Um, We are thriving most of the time. Of course, we all experience hardship at different times. But ultimately, we're living our best life that's authentic to us. Mm. There's no way to not live your best life when you are the one that is choosing and deciding where you go. That was what I received. So, so beautifully said. 
Um, Jessica, share with us, obviously you have a beautiful coaching program. You coach individually in group, couples, um, non-couples. And so what would be some of the best ways that a parent can begin working with you? Yes. So I have a wonderful free download for your listeners. Um, and it is the seven habits that harm connection within most homes and how to break the cycle. So it's a PDF and a video, and that can be found at uh, findmyzenfam.com forward slash seven habits. I'm on all social media. So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And also, if anyone is like, oh my gosh, this training is for me right now, then schedule a discovery call through my website, and it's just a free 30-minute session where I can get really clear on what's going on in your home, what your concerns are, and I can answer any questions that you have, and we can make sure that it's a good match for us to uh, proceed forward. So being on the mailing list is the best way to learn about when group coaching starts and other events. I have retreats in my future. I'm also a yoga teacher and breathwork facilitator. And so eventually I'll probably be combining parenting and yoga into some wonderful retreats as well. I'm so excited for that. I will need to stay posted on all of those things as they arise. Um, and I will add this, you know, parenting is one of those things that's super sacred and also can carry a lot of shame if you feel shame for how you've been showing up or, you know, wanting to do better, you know, and all those things. So I will say that Jessica holds a safe space in this conversation. So there is no shame, you know, it, it, we are all experiencing it. There is no one that's exempt. <laughs> and um, she's here to help guide you through that process. And I've learned so much from this conversation, but of course it comes down to what it is that you integrate within your family and your home. So I will have the link for you to download the free video uh, and PDF of the seven habits that harm connection with your kid and again, our greatest takeaway here is ensuring the connection is what becomes a new habit for you, right? The habit of connection is really what it is that I've loved that we've been dancing around in this conversation. So I hope it enlightens you in your journey of parenthood, whether you are a parent or going to be a parent, um, and even in the dynamics with your own parents. So Jessica, thank you so much for your time here with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on the Elevate Your Life podcast. I hope it gave you exactly what you were looking for. This show brings me so much joy and I'm so happy to have this space for these amazing conversations and guests. To support the show, please rate and review and share it with your loved ones. If you want to be reminded of new episodes, click the subscribe button on your preferred podcast or video player. You can sign up for my newsletter in the show notes below to receive my favorites and updates. Till next week, you guys find us on Instagram and tag us wherever you are listening at Elevate with Eliana. Sending you so much love and remember, you got this.